Thank you, Kelly. Listen, a lot of you guys are new here. You, um, some of y'all just know Kelly from our Thrive Ministry, but Kelly has served as our worship pastor for years and years here at the church, and we love it when he gets to do that again. And so thank you, Kelly and Sandy, uh, for being able to come and lead us today. And Hunter, before you leave, wanted you to come up. And uh, first off, let me uh, congratulate you on your fashion sense. Um, you as well. You as well. We did, we did not plan that. Uh, but uh, yes, I, 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 feel, I feel relevant for at least a moment, and I'm happy about that. Uh, hey, man, uh, we just had Dean now, and since you were already up here, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, so we uh, had our D-NOW weekend two weeks ago, uh, and if you don't know what D-NOW stands for, it stands for Disciple Now Weekend, and you're going to see some photos just kind of uh, scrolling through as I share with you some highlights about what happened and what went on, uh, but this is for our 6th through 12th graders to experience uh, Jesus in a different setting, albeit we're in this room, we're on our campus, it's, it's just different. We have someone different preaching, we have someone different leading musical worship, we have different small group leaders, it's, it's in the same spot but very different. And why do we do this? We do this so that our students can, as, as the name says, uh, be discipled now. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, but uh, also for students who might not know Jesus, to hear about who Jesus is and to consider following Jesus and giving their lives to Jesus. So. Look, man, throughout Friday, all day Saturday, we spent time worshiping in large group sessions. We spent time worshiping together in small group sessions. And then we served, our, uh, we served those around us through some very familiar friends of Double Oak with Two Feathers Ministries with the Kessikers. Uh, we were able to uh, pack backpacks, uh, Backpacks and Bears, their ministry. If you were in the 280 Walmart on Saturday afternoon and you saw a lot of students running around, that was us. Um, but they were shopping with their small groups to be able to uh, very tangibly and very practically share the love of Christ with someone that they may or may never encounter. Um, and so why do we do this? We do this so our students can grow in their Christ-likeness, grow in their maturity. It's, it's their values, grow in our maturity, our community, our charity together corporately, but also extend that out to our community and those around us. And so it was an incredible weekend. Um, our speaker, Shane Sanchez, he's from the Atlanta area. He challenged us and encouraged us to consider um, not giving just parts of our lives to Jesus, but giving our entire lives to Jesus. And our theme was the light and the darkness, rooted in John chapter 1, verse 5. The light has shined in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And our community over the past six to eight months has just experienced uh, some dark times. And so that's why we picked the theme, uh, because we, students and adults, we need to be reminded that no matter what we're walking through, light, dark, somewhere in the middle, Jesus is always there with his people, and nothing and no one overcomes him. And so it's good for all of us to be reminded of that. Uh, and so, hey, D-NOW also cannot happen without our lovely volunteers. We had 93 students, rough, rough, uh, around 93, 94 students, and then we had over 30 volunteers uh, give their time. I see some of your faces in here cleaning up, uh, cleaning up in here, the community building, serving food. Telling a student no to queso uh, is tough. <laughs> telling me no to queso is tough. Uh, but we had volunteers serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <clears throat> we had volunteers cleaning up. We have volunteers serving in small groups. We have volunteers just here saying I'm just here. Use me whenever you need me. Uh, and so thank you so much to those of you in this room who helped, who served. Uh, D-NOW could not have happened without you. And we are grateful for what you did. We're grateful for what the Lord did in our lives of our students. And we really see D-NOW as a bit of a springboard to, to really launch off of and continue conversations of what Jesus is doing in the lives of our students. Yeah, uh, listen, we, we do this every year. You said in early service, you know, Saturday was a 17-hour day. Uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of work goes into those, but those are small events that have outsized impact. 
going forward. Uh, I, I've been a part of those weeks. I've seen that happen here. And so listen, we are thrilled for what you guys got to be uh, experience and be a part of. Thrilled for Hunter uh, and Claire and all of their leadership, helping our students. And thank you to all of you guys who are pouring into our students to help them know how to walk with the Lord. Can we just give the Lord thanks for what he did at D-Now this year? Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Uh, and listen, before we jump in, one more uh, word of thanks. Uh, our room is, uh, is decorated uh, beautifully as it is every year. You saw the comments when you came in last week. We had some happy elves who came in after the service uh, and made this place look amazing, including a lot of our students. If you were part of that decorating crew who came up on Monday and, re- and helped us uh, put it up, raise your hand uh, and say, hey, I was a part of that. Can we thank these guys too for coming and helping out? Thank you, Dale and others. Thank y'all. Look, this is our home. You may have decorated your house for Christmas. This is our house for Christmas. And so thank you to all the volunteers who uh, are really helping us have a great experience this uh, Christmas season. Uh, But now grab your Bibles, if you will. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 is where we're going to be in just a minute. As we round out our Thanksgiving weekend, Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Listen, I do hope that you had a great Thanksgiving uh, break and a Thanksgiving uh, holiday. In fact, we may have some folks still traveling, listening on a podcast. Uh, be safe driving home. We look forward to worshiping you when you, when you get back. Uh, but look, it has been a phenomenal week. But I've been thinking about Thanksgiving this week, and Thanksgiving is, is a little bit of a weird holiday. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but, but it is. For as, as much as we, we make a lot of hoopla about it, uh, it does tend to get overlooked in a couple ways. Uh, we see everybody decorating for Halloween and we all decorate for Christmas and, and Thanksgiving is just kind of shoved in the middle. Uh, and then on top of that, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I find it interesting that we celebrate everything except the giving of thanks. Have you noticed this? Like think about Thanksgiving for a moment. When you think about Thanksgiving, something pops into your head. When I say Thanksgiving, what's the first thing that pops into your head Because I bet it's a lot of things other than Thanksgiving, right? Uh, Because there's a lot of different options there. It could be just a vacation, right? Kids get like the entire week off of school now. So now it's just break. You might be thinking about a Thanksgiving break. I'm just excited about the time off. Uh, Maybe you think about family. Uh, Thanksgiving is very much a family holiday. We gather our family together. So the family meets and we all get to see folks we haven't seen throughout the year. You might just be thinking about a family gathering. You might think about food. Right? When we think about Thanksgiving, we think about a Thanksgiving feast. There are certain foods that, for many of us, we only eat during Thanksgiving. I don't know any other time of year I eat turkey and dressing other than Thanksgiving. It's delicious, but we keep it there. And you would think, oh, is this, is this one meal we only get at Thanksgiving? You might be thinking about the food. Maybe after that, it's just the football, right? Because after the food, there's the football, right? You got to watch the football on stuff. Is that, can I say that word today? Uh, I mean, so, uh, too soon. Uh, but I mean, look, I mean, you, you got not that football, but the football on on Thanksgiving, right? You got all the stuff, right? You do all the, the things. There. Then, then there's shopping, right? There's Black Friday, right? Because that, that's a part of Thanksgiving now. You got to get out and do Black Friday. I kid you not, I saw this. I was in Romania two weeks ago. I get off the plane in a foreign country that does not fully embrace Thanksgiving because it's not America. And when I got off the plane, I saw advertisements in English for Black Friday. I kid you not. I am not making this up. We have exported Black Friday to the entire world and they participate. Look, I went up to the summit on Friday. It was nuts, right? It's crazy. We go shopping, right? That's a big part of all of that. Or maybe for you, Thanksgiving is just pre-Christmas, 
right? It's just a pre-Christmas warm-up because we use it to put up all of our decorations. They're like, man, now I can finally listen to all the Christmas music, and it's just that preamble to another thing. And while all of those are fun and they are enjoyable, not one of those includes the giving of thanks, which is interesting because that's the name. So I think it would be remiss for us to finish out our Thanksgiving week if we did not actually pause to say, have we truly given thanks to the Lord for what he has given to us? Because, listen, there's a lot of joy when you and I can live uh, with gratitude in our hearts for what God has given to us. And we do not want to miss that. So look at Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 15. We're in the tail end of the letter to the Colossians, and Paul, as typical for him, is giving a lot of um, practical admonition, things that we can do. And so look what he says in these three verses, starting in verse 15. It says this, And let the peace of Christ rule into your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, three verses here, and he's covering a lot of ground. He's giving us a lot of different things to do, a lot of different things we've heard before. We should uh, be teaching, we should be admonishing, we should be uh, letting the word dwell in us richly. We're singing songs, but in the middle of that, you see three separate references to thanksgiving. Three different calls to live our lives in the midst of thankfulness. So let me just put it up on the screen. You actually kind of see this. <clears throat> it's everywhere. Even though he's talking about lots of different things, he keeps coming back to this mantra of thankfulness. So in verse 15, he gives us a command, be thankful. Verse 16, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So even though he's going in different directions, he keeps this through line of thanksgiving as if it's the connective tissue that makes all of this work. Uh, so, so what are we learning here? Well, what is he trying to show us? Well, there's a couple things I think right off the bat we need to recognize. First off, uh, we are commanded to give thanks. Do you notice that? In verse 15, he just gives us a straight command, be thankful. It's imperative. It is a command of the Lord, be thankful. And this is not the only place this occurs. You see this in multiple places in Scripture. Paul does this in multiple places. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, same thing. He'll say, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are to give thanks, and this is God's will for us. So he commands us to give thanks. But even that is a little bit weird, isn't it? Because when we think about gratitude, I don't know about you, but I typically think of a feeling. Right? I feel gratitude. Right? I feel thankful. So how can you command something like that? You can't command a feeling. So what is he telling us here? Well, he's not telling us just to do something by rote obligation. But he's saying, listen, uh, being thankful is a feeling, but it's not just a feeling. It is an act of the will. It is not something that just occurs to you. It is something that we do on purpose. And so we are to be thankful. We are to give thanks. And that is a choice on our parts. So there is something we can do here. It flows from something inside, but we have to make a choice to do so. So number one, we are commanded to be thankful. Secondly, uh, Thanksgiving is a part of our worship. 
It's a part of our worship. Look at verse 16, and you'll notice this, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we don't just sing songs, we do so with thankfulness. And so there's this, this impetus inside of us that, that kind of pushes our, our singing, our musical worship, to say, I don't be singing with, uh, with an attitude of thankfulness in my heart. Now, now look, when it comes to worship, we do a lot of different kinds of worship in our lives. Even today, in one worship service, you're going to do lots of different kinds of worship. We're going to worship through song. We worship through the word. uh, We worship through prayer. We worship through fellowship. There's lots of different ways to worship. And it's very hard uh, to put hard and fast breaks in between these categories. They all kind of mesh with one another. They bleed in and out of one another. Uh, But when it comes to Thanksgiving, we can get a little bit more specific. Um, a different category for worship would be praise. And when we talk about praising God in general, again, these are broad categories, you can say when we praise God, we give him worship for who he is. All right, we're praising God for who he is, his majesty, his glory, his his wisdom, his his sovereignty, his power. We give God praise saying, you are awesome. You are incredible. We're giving him praise for who he is. When it comes to thanksgiving, we are giving him worship for what he has done. Again, broad categories, but we're giving him worship for what he has done. I'm giving thanks. Something was given to me. It was done for me, and I'm giving thanks Right? So we praise him for who he is. We give thanks for what he has done. And that is an act of worship. This is why you see this all throughout the Psalms. Let me just show you just a couple. Here's Psalm 717. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. The word righteousness here is not just talking about his holiness. Righteousness is always about being in right relationship with somebody. So we're talking about God being in a right relationship with me. I don't deserve that. I give thanks for that. Here's Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, I can give him praise for being good, but when it comes to love, love requires an object that's relational. So I'm giving him thanks for what he has done in my life. So it's an act of worship for us to be thankful And the question I think you and I need to ask ourselves is this, is when it comes to worship, when it comes to coming in here on a Sunday morning, when it comes just to our normal life, maybe in your your car listening to worship music, do I feel thankful? Do I find myself giving thanks to the Lord, not just for who he is, but for what he's done? Because thanksgiving is vital. If there is no thanksgiving in our worship, if we are not constantly finding ourselves thanking the Lord for who he is and what he's done, That ought to be a a red flag. That ought to be a warning sign. It ought to be a canary in a coal mine for you. Do you get that reverence? Back in the day when when miners worked down in mines, uh, they did not have carbon monoxide sensors. But carbon monoxide would build up in the tunnels and that's a problem because it's colorless and odorless and it will kill you before you know it's there. So they would put little canaries in there uh, and the canaries would sing. And if that canary stops singing, you looked at it. And if it's dead in its cage, that means that carbon monoxide is building up. This is toxic. It will kill you. Get out. All right? If you do not hear the song of thankfulness in your worship, that's a canary in a coal mine. That ought to be a, a sign that something is seriously wrong. If we aren't being thankful, here's what that reveals. It reveals that I'm not seeing the Lord correctly and I'm not seeing myself correctly. 
If I am not constantly giving thanks to the Lord, it is an indicator that I'm not seeing the Lord correctly and I'm not seeing myself correctly. Apparently, I assume I just deserve all these things, that I should have all of these things. If I'm not giving thanks constantly for what I have received from the Lord, I'm going to be lulled into this idea that I'm actually okay by myself. I deserve these things. And that is completely false. Thankfulness constantly corrects our vision so that we see the Lord and ourselves as we should be. This is why thanksgiving is so crucial to our worship. Now, before we talk about kind of how to do that and how to develop that in our lives, let's, let's get clear here. Let's talk about what thanksgiving is and what thanksgiving isn't. What do we mean when we talk about giving of thanks? Because we might say thank you a lot and there not actually be a whole lot of thanksgiving in it. Uh, here's one thing that Thanksgiving is not. Thanksgiving is not bare courtesy. It's not just courtesy. Because look, we do that here in the, uh, in the South a lot, okay? If you grew up in the South, I grew up in the South, we are a polite people, are we not? If you are a transplant from the North, you have figured this out that we are a very polite people. We say thank you. We're very courteous. Even if we don't mean it, we will say thank you, all right? Uh, we, would, we would encourage you to join us in that. It's just nicer. It is, and you know it. Uh, so, but look, but that's, but that's just courtesy, right? That doesn't mean that we're truly thankful. But let's imagine this. Uh, think about the last time you went to a restaurant, right? Maybe you got tired of the turkey sandwiches and you finally went to a restaurant with your family. You found some time this week. You went out to a restaurant. If you sat down at a restaurant, a waiter would come and fill your glass at some point during that meal. When he comes and fills that glass, what do you say to him? You said, thank you. Are you actually thankful? Well, tricky question there, Adam. Uh, I mean, kind of, like maybe, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm not mad. I mean, I'm happy to have water, I guess, you know, but I mean, I'm not like thankful. And, and look, the reason we're not thankful is because that's his job, right? He expects to come and do that. He expects to come do that. We expect him to come do that. And so we say, thank you. He says, you're welcome. I probably say thank you eight, nine, 10 times during a meal, but, but that's just courtesy, right? We're being courteous, but that is not gratitude. That is not deep thanks. We're just being polite. That's not what God is talking about here. Here's the second thing. Uh, it's not bare obligation. Uh, being thankful is not simply an obligation because sometimes we say thank you because we're obligated to. Uh, imagine this. Uh, imagine that this Christmas, you, and this might happen, you get a Christmas gift that you did not want, okay? You made a list on purpose, all right? And they did not go off that list. They gave you something else off of that list that you did not want. I, I see some of you doing this thing. Stop it, right? All right, look, uh, and now you have this thing. Even though you don't want it, when somebody gives you this gift, what will you say to them? Thank you. Why? You did not want this gift. You are going to return it swiftly. Why are you saying thankful? You're not thankful for your gift. You are acknowledging that somebody gave you something. You are thanking them for thinking of you, but you're not actually thankful for this thing that they have given you. You're obligated at that point to say thank you. And so you say Thank you. And look, this creeps in more than you think. <coughs> I started to know this, notice this sometimes in my prayers. How many of you guys uh, pray before your meals? Anybody pray for your meals and say thanks for your meals? Yeah, a lot of us do. Um, I grew up doing this. My parents taught me to do this. I, it, it is a good habit to, to do that right before you eat your meal, we, give, we, we say thank you, God, for providing what we have. But, 
I'll be honest, sometimes I just do that because it's a ritual. I just do that because I always have. And so I may bow my head and say, Lord, thank you for my food, amen. But what I actually mean is, Lord, I'm hungry, amen. And that's it. I'm not actually thankful, right? I didn't stop and think, God has provided this for me today and I am taken care of. I just went through the motions. Okay, that's obligation. That's not true thankfulness. God is not looking for mere obligation. Even when he commands us to be thankful, he's not looking for mere obligation. So, so how do we get to real thanksgiving? How do we get to real gratitude? Well, for real gratitude, you need two things. You need to recognize your need and you need to see that that need has been filled. You need to recognize your need and you need to see that that need has been filled. Only then does that develop gratitude. Let's imagine a different scenario. Let's imagine that you're in the desert. You have been in the desert for days and you are quite literally dying of thirst. You have not had water in two days and you know that you are about to die and you sit down in the sand and you are about to die of thirst and that same waiter shows up out of nowhere and says, can I fill your glass? When he fills the glass that he hands to you, what do you say to him? Thank you! You don't give him a little thank you. You give him a big thank you. You give him a bear hug, being careful not to spill the water. I mean, look, you are excited. You can't believe it. This guy has saved your life. You had a need and he filled it. Imagine that you've been in jail for two years. And for two years, all they've given you to eat is bread and water. Every single day, same meal, bread, water, just enough to keep you alive. You've been eating bread and water for two years. And that same waiter shows up and says, hey, man, I heard you've been down here for two years. I got this full Thanksgiving feast. I would love to lay it out on this table for you. Can I do that for you? What would you say to him? What would you say to him? Thank you. Amazing. Yes. Now, please, I'll help. Come on. You would be overjoyed. You wouldn't leave him politely without looking at his face. Thank you. You would go nuts. Why? Because you recognize your need and you see that that need has been filled. That's what produces gratitude. And so for us, if we're going to get to Thanksgiving, we're going to have to see our need and see how the Lord has filled it. But that's actually where the problem comes in. Because we don't like that. One of the things that we hate more than anything in life is to admit that we have a need. We don't like to do that with anybody. Like period, end of story. We don't want to admit that we have a need that needs to be filled. You say, and I'm not having a problem do that. I, I beg to differ. I think we all do. In fact, let's prove it. If I gave you the option between being helped or helping somebody else, which would you choose? You'd help somebody else, bar none, instantly, no thought. If given the choice between helping somebody else or being helped, I want to help somebody else. Why? My pride likes it better that way. I get to help somebody else and feel good about myself while doing it. Win-win. I love that. But to admit that I have a need that I cannot fill and I need somebody else to help me, my pride doesn't like that. And so we avoid it. Do you now see why we start to shy away from Thanksgiving? Why we do other things, anything other than give thanks? Because we don't want to admit that we have any needs. Look, I'll, let's prove it again. Let's look at the same passage, same three verses, but let's take out all the thankfulness and see how it sounds. All right? So look at it here on the screen. Same passage. 
I want you to just listen and see how this sounds to you. Take out all the thankfulness that would sound like this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sounds good, doesn't it? It works. I can preach that. I could preach you a completely different sermon this morning just on those words. Take out all the thankfulness and man, we got a bunch to work with. And let's be honest, we like it better this way. Why? Because it gives us something to do. I can sink my teeth into it. I can get my hands around it. I know specifically what to do. Okay, I'm going to get myself into the Word. I'm going to, which songs are we going to sing? How are we going to sing? Okay, everything I got to do. I got to work with all all my heart under the Lord. I'm I'm going to do that in His name. I got things to do, and I don't have to admit my neediness. And for almost every person in the room, we would prefer it that way. We just yank all the Thanksgiving out, but you can't. It's the connective tissue. It's what gives us clear vision as to what's really going on. And if you take all that out, we are not seeing the Lord clearly and we're not seeing ourselves clearly. And so how then can we put this back in? How can we develop hearts that are grateful? Uh, uh, Literally, an an, an attitude of thankfulness in my life. How, How do we do that? Let me give you four things that can help us there. The first one is this. Uh, we're going to need to pause. We're going to need to pause. In order for us to actually see what the Lord has given to us, we're going to have to stop long enough to see it. And we are not good at that as a culture, are we? We're not. We're very busy. We're super busy as a culture. And we don't want to stop. But if you don't stop, man, we're just running, 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 running. Man, we, we, we get one thing. We're already thinking about the next thing. Man, we get past that thing. We're thinking about the next thing. Man, we're thinking about Christmas. We're thinking about next year. We're, we're just thinking, thinking, thinking. We stack, stack, stack. Busy, busy, busy. We just go. And there's no time to stop and really recognize what's been given to us. I mean, honestly, just think about what we just did. Think about your Thanksgiving break. We were just given time off. Many of us got two days. Some of you got the entire week. And we got time off to rest, to stop. And think about how much you and I packed into an entire Thanksgiving rest week. You thought about that? Because it's a lot. How'd it run? Well, it ran like this. You started on Friday because you, now you can actually travel. So you get on Friday, you think, everybody, I'm going to get home really quick, but you can't because 280's packed because everybody got off early on Friday. So you actually got to go to 280. And then when you get home, you got to pack. You got a 13 hour drive to get where you're going to see all your family, to get all those things done. So you got to pack it up, pack all these different things. You got to pack stuff into suitcases for the house. You got to pack stuff for the car too. And you got to get up the next morning super early, get a 13 hour drive. You got to put our kids in the car. You got to get everybody there. You got to stop here, stop here, stop here because everybody's got to stop. You got to do all these different things. You got to actually get them there. You got to make sure they're not going to be bored in the middle of the stuff. You finally get there and then you got to talk to everybody, right? Because the whole family's there. You got to which room we're going to be in. Not enough room. Got to go to hotel. Got to do all these different things. Put everybody there. And then what are we going to do? We got to go out somewhere. We got to make sure we get everybody there. Then you got Thanksgiving dinner to have. I mean, how are you going to do that? That's just like cook itself. You got to cook for two days to kind of get to the Thanksgiving dinner. And you only got two ovens. You got to put everything in there. So you got to get up early. You got to make all the food. Do what other. You got to put it on the table. Then where's everybody going to sit? Can't sit those two people together. They hate each other. You got to put all these different things and all this stuff. You got to, and stuff that, what are we going to do after that? Well, now we go to family. How are we happy? We got to watch some football. We don't even care to watch it. We're going to watch it. Anyway, then what are we going to do? We got to do something. Our whole family. What are you going to do with 15 people? You got to get them up. You got to go on my side. We're going to go to the movies. We're going to go to different things. And then after that, we're going to go around. We're going to go shopping. We're going to go here. 
here. I got to go there. Go to the summit. Get all these things and buy stuff we don't even want. Got to get all this stuff. In. And then we got to go home because guess what? The week's over. So you got to pack everybody in. Pack all your stuff in your, your deal. You got to put them in the car. 13 hours drive. You got to go stop, stop, stop. Get them over there. And then when you get home, guess what? It's the end of the week. But I got to go back to work next week. I got to do school next week. So I got to go home with it stacked up. I got to work that stacked up. I got to get all this done. And don't you feel rested? There's a little peek into my brain, by the way. <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Look, that's not just me. That's us. And we're so busy. We don't ever take time to stop and to recognize what God has given to us. Guys, if we don't actually take time to pause, you're just going to take it all for granted. I started doing this thing a little while back. It's been really interesting. I don't even know where I, where, where, who, who told me about doing this, but try this when you go home today. When you drive back into your neighborhood today, I want you to drive into your neighborhood as if it's the first time you've ever driven it. Like I want you to drive in your neighborhood as if you've never been there before. Drive up to your house as if you've never been there before. Walk into your house as if you've never walked into it before and try to see it as somebody who's never been there before, you will be amazed. I find myself overwhelmed by what God has provided for me. When I just drive into my neighborhood, I'm like, how do I get to live here? How do I have this house? How, how, do I, how, do I, how do I have any of this? You walk in, how do I have any of this? But I don't normally think that way because I'm just used to it, right? We, we just get used to it. What happens when you step back and you realize, how, how in the world Am I this blessed in my life? And when you just take that quick moment, just to take a quick step back, man, gratitude starts to well up because you see what God has provided for us. Before we ever get to gratitude, it starts with just a pause. You've got to stop long enough even to see it. P.S., this is why our worship every week is so important. This is why you coming here every single week, let me say that again, every single week is so important. Why? Because it corrects our vision, for at least for one hour a week. We all come together as the people of God. You're not alone anymore. And we recognize, wait a minute, God is sovereign, I am not. God is good. God is gracious. God provides what I need. God is in control in this chaotic world. I want to give him worship and praise because it's not about me, it's about him. And it centers us. But sadly, we don't do that very often. I'm going to date myself here just a little bit. But when I was growing up, man, I went to church all the time. I went to church at least three times a week. There was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night every week. Three times a week, I went to church. Now, over the past 40 years, that has shifted. And there's all kinds of studies about this. And I'm trying to follow them. They're very fuzzy. But, but just trying to get your hands around this, things have clearly changed. For Christians in America today, you know how many times they, on average, a Christian will go to church in a month, not a week, a month. You want to know how many, just on average, how often they attend? 1.6 times a month. 1.6 times, not a week, a month. Folks, hear me when I tell you this. You are not going to have a consistently clear vision of the Lord if you do not come to worship except for less than twice a month. You can't. Your vision is everywhere. And if, if this is the only times that we give to the Lord, well, no wonder our vision is skewed. I mean, even just this one hour is such a corrective just to say, God, wait a minute. I want to give you praise and thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done. This is why your quiet time every morning is so important. People have told me this for years. I have experienced this. I bet you have too. 
But people have said, Adam, my day is so different. If I start my day opening up the Bible and talking to the Lord and thinking about him and who he is in my life, man, that colors the rest of my day. And my day is different than if I just get up and I run. And maybe I think about him when I'm done. Totally different day, totally different perspective. Why? Because you took time to stop and see it. And so step number one is just to stop, to take a pause and to say, I'm going to, as an act of the will, I'm going to stop long enough to see what the Lord has provided. Here's the second thing. We have to see our need. We have to see our need. Now look, this is the hard one. This is the one we don't like to do, but we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, I need the Lord. I need him in my life. Not I like him, not maybe he can help me, not maybe he'll answer some prayers and give me some stuff, but like, I actually need him in my life. And that's just hard. Look, I think for some of us, when it comes to prayer, we say, Adam, I pray all the time, but, but, but really evaluate your prayers for a second and, and think about what you pray for. Because for some of us, we love praying for everybody else and we never get around to praying for ourselves. So I'm praying for this person, that person, this issue, and that issue, and this situation, that situation. We're pray, 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 pray. But I don't want to talk about my needs. I'm just going to pray for everybody else's needs. And look, that's, that's good, and, that, and that's helpful. But, but you should also be looking at yourself and say, what do I need? Where, where, where are my needs in my life that I need the Lord to help me, to change me, to, to encourage me, to, to mold me to be like him? Maybe we just focus on the physical, and we never really get down to the spiritual of like, God, what are you doing in our souls, regardless of our circumstances? What are you doing in my soul? Well, that's harder, but, but we need to stop and actually see that. So let's think for just a moment of where you and I would be without the Lord. Where would you and I be without the Lord in our lives? Just think about that for just a second. Some of you say, Adam, I've grown up in church. I can't even think about that. Well, think about it for just a second. Imagine where you would be without the Lord. I'm going to show you a different passage, uh, but it's still in Colossians. This is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 14. It's the same letter. Uh, this is one of the places where he mentions it. Paul mentions Thanksgiving seven times in the letter of Colossians. There's only four chapters. So this is just this drumbeat that runs throughout. Look what he says here in verses 12 through 14. We're kind of picking up from a run-on sentence. Paul's very fond of those. Look what he says in verse 12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now look, there's a lot of good things there. But think about where we were before those good things came into our life. Because this tells us some things. It tells us that without the Lord, you and I are living in a kingdom of darkness. You are quite literally enslaved to sin. We follow the passions of the body and of the mind. And we cannot stop. And as good as we like to think about ourselves, we, we, are, we are secretly, we understand the things that, that we're not proud of, that we're ashamed of, the things that we want to forget about that came out of us. Because we're sinful, we're broken, and we cannot save ourselves. The Bible's going to tell us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're not just a little bit broken, we're dead. And we can't help us. We're enslaved in this kingdom of darkness. I have sins that need to be redeemed, forgiven, and I cannot do that. I cannot do enough good things to pay off what I have done. I can't do enough good things to, to make God look my way and to think I am worthy and to, and to do something great for me because I am broken on the inside. When was the last time we really 
sat down and thought about the depths of our brokenness. Because we need to. Look, there is no way of being saved without recognizing your own sin. I don't care if you grew up in church or not. You are not saved until you recognize your own sinfulness. I cannot be saved until I recognize there's something to be saved from. What am I being saved from? My own death, my own brokenness in my sin. But look, praise be to God that when he saved us, we, we recognized that we were sinners and Jesus saved us. But as you and I grow in Christ's likeness, as we grow to be more like him, this strange things happen. I actually recognize I was way worse than I thought I was. Like when I got saved, I didn't know the half of my own sinfulness. I did not know just how deep it ran. The more I get closer to God's holiness, I recognize, oh, I was actually way farther away than I thought, which gives us an even worse thought. As I continue forward, it's going to get worse. I still don't know the half of my sinfulness. I still don't know the depths of my depravity. Guys, this is all of us. We are broken and we are lost. Some of us are so angry at everybody else in the world. We're blaming everybody else in the world. And we refuse to look inside at what has been happening in here. And we visit that same kind of evil just like it's visited upon us. you got to look at your need. we got to recognize, man, I need the Lord. And I cannot force him to help me. But that leads to the third thing. You need to see how God has filled that need. You need to see how the Lord has filled that need. Because look, when the Lord reveals our sinfulness to us, he's not doing this to shame us. He's not doing this to put his thumb on us or to condemn us. He says, no, I'm showing this to you so that you can be saved. I am showing you your own sinfulness so you can actually be healed. You can't be healed till you know what's wrong with you. But as you see it, guess what? There's this amazing joy that God says, I will take care of that. Because when God saw us in the midst of our sinfulness, he came after you. This is the most amazing thing possible because when God loves us, he does not love us on our best day. He loves us on our worst day. On the day when you hated yourself the most, God gave his life for you. On the day you wouldn't be caught dead with yourself because you're so ashamed of what you have done, Jesus Christ came, laid aside his glory, and died on the cross for those specific sins. And you know why? Because he loves you that much. You are loved, cherished, and adored by the God who made you. Listen, we've been singing this song, Amazing Grace, for hundreds of years. When was the last time grace was amazing to you? It wasn't just a song, but it was literally mind-blowing, earth-shattering, just incomprehensible to recognize in the midst of my brokenness, Jesus Christ, think about all that we sang earlier, died on the cross, shed his blood to cover my sins, and then just gives me salvation. And I have done nothing to deserve it or earn it, and I can't pay him back. And, and do you remember when we saw the depth of our depravity? Do you recognize what that means? I knew that God loved me when I got saved. But the more you recognize just how broken we are, here's the greater news. God's love is always greater than that. And as you and I go forward and you recognize just how broken we actually are, here's the greater truth. God's love is always greater than your sin. You cannot exhaust it. You will never get to the end of it. God's love is always greater to your sin. This is what makes it amazing, grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
It's because no matter how bad I understand I am, I recognize there's a God who loves me more. You will not get that from the rest of the world. You won't even get that from yourself. I don't even give that to myself. But there's a God who loves me. He has filled our need. Because he cares for you. He's rescued you from the dominion of darkness and carried you into the the kingdom of the son he loves and calls you son and calls you daughter. And if you see these things, well, that gets to the fourth and final thing. We can give thanks. Remember, giving thanks is not just a feeling. It's an act of the will. It's something we can choose to do. And when I stop and I see my need and I see how God has filled it, This should begin to bring up in us gratitude. And then we need to express that. We need to say thank you. We say, God, I give you thanks. I give you praise, God, for who you are, but more specifically for what you have done when I did not deserve this. You have done this for me. I love you. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for what you have given to me. And look, that's on, that doesn't even think about all the other blessings you've just lavished upon us, our families, our, our homes, our jobs, our, our opportunities, our talents, our gifts, our friends, our church, all these things you just lavish on us. God, I want to give you thanks for these things, and it just comes welling up out of, out, inside of you. The, the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God so that no matter what we do in word or deed, we do all of it, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the heart that not only sees things clearly, it is a heart filled with joy. Look, if you're walking through life just angry about what you don't have and what you think you deserve, I imagine you're fairly miserable. You want to know how to find a lot more joy? It was when you recognize just how ridiculously blessed you are. When we turn around and see the amazing gift of his son that I don't deserve and he's going to continue to give me more. He qualifies me to, to, to be with the inheritance and the saints of light. Amazing. When you live in gratitude for all that he has given, it produces so much more joy than you could possibly imagine. So let's try it. Let's do that right now. So bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at. Kelly and the worship team are going to come lead us out in a a song, and it's appropriately just entitled, Thank You. But in just a moment, as we prepare ourselves for worship, I want you to think about, am I thankful? I don't know what happened at Thanksgiving this week. Thanksgiving tends to dredge up stuff for lots of folk. But I know this, that for every single person in the room, we are broken and sinful. And you are loved. Regardless of what anybody else thinks or says about you, to you. There's a Savior who gave his life for you and is still talking to you and is chasing after you. And we can give him thanks for that. So in just a moment, after we pray, we're going to have a chance to sing. And I hope that you won't just go through the motions or an obligation or because everybody else is. But, but maybe just from your heart. Specifically, generally, just say, God, thank you. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. You just want to say, God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. I just want to say thank you. And let him draw you closer to himself in worship. And say, Father, help us. We ask for so many things, Lord, and our needs are apparently endless. But you've provided all we need in yourself. And you will continue to. And so, Lord, for every single person here who's given their life to you, we give you thanks for salvation. 
Lord, I pray for anybody here who's just trying to do life on their own. I, I cannot imagine that. Could you remind them today that you haven't forgotten them, you know their name, and that they too can have life in you because you love them. Now you gave your life for them too. Father, draw them to yourself today before all of us open up our eyes to the immense, just an abundance of your blessings to us that we might give you praise and thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done. We are so grateful for all of these things. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray.